number 288 has a cover by Keith Pollard and Bob Layton and is colored by Glenna Sween. Uh, Thor bests Hero uh, before turning his attention to the one, uh, one above all as Carnilla confronts Odin about Balder and Sif collects the Destroyer armor. The one above all... Sorry? No, I can wait until the end. Uh, the one above all should get sick of Thor uh, attacking and shows him an image of Odin bowing to the Celestials the last time they visited. So. So is... Is Carnilla right here? Because I generally err on the side of Carnilla lately. when Especially when she's yelling at Odin about something. I'm like, yeah. I'm probably taking Carnilla's side. And, yeah. uh... Like, I know that most of her ire with Odin right now is rooted in the fact that, you know, she, Odin essentially tricked everyone, including Hela into believing that Ragnarok had started by getting Balder killed and that he orchestrated the entire thing just so that he could forestall the real thing forestall Ragnarok indefinitely and it's Mm -hmm. like okay but and she's like you didn't have the right to do that to all of us especially not me because i technically don't give a shit if you're king like he's she's the only other one besides mimir she's the only one who gets to talk to him this way because um her daughters are the three fates and she gets to do whatever the fuck she wants um and i don't know if she's right like i i think she is okay i mean i i mean what odin did was really shitty we talked about the arrogance of dr strange uh Mm -hmm. being just like i'm the one who gets to decide what we do and uh that's what odin has done here he's just like we're gonna fake ragnarok uh and as a result balder just gets to exist in a living death uh because fuck him yeah. And it's, yeah, it's incredibly shitty. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah. the, I think the reason why I'm a little like, am I giving Carnilla too much credit here is because at the, at the end of it, Odin's like, you know what? I'm tired of hearing this shit. And he blasts himself out of the room. And uh, Mark Mimir is like left with Carnilla. And he's like, you know you're right, right? He's an asshole. And Carnilla's like, I'm... I don't need help from you. <laughs> like, you hate the hell out of him all the time. I yeah. hate him most of the time. I think I'm right here, but also... No thanks. Yeah. Uh, that's... And then she later is like... Decided that she's just gonna post up by uh, Baldur's side until he wakes up. Right. So yeah um yeah also Thor is so half-cocked in all of this like going up just deciding to go fight the celestials because earth will be judged and it's like man you don't have a lot of faith in earth like granted you don't know what the terms of the judgment are like you don't know anything about like what humanity and the celestials and the deviants are going to be judged upon like their singing acumen who knows <laughs> like but you oh don't God. know it's american idol you're right um, it could be um, I like but you don't know you just immediately assume that earth will fail and that the celestials will vaporize it and you don't know either of those things to be true so i don't know i'd just generally be pissed off that these assholes showed up and were like presuming to judge us in the first place like i think that's what would bother me like whether whether or not i think humanity would pass which i don't know but like really i think i would i'm being judged on (laughs) do what it really depends on what i think we're being judged upon because most days and, and honestly i'm not even 
I, I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I want to believe the best about people, but there's so much evidence that just says no. Uh, but the, the fundamental, like, regardless of what we're being judged on, I think that I would just be pissed at the concept of a bunch of space gods who, who like created us and then popped in like twice more and then showed up again. And we're just like, okay, now we're going to judge you. And if you fail, we're going to destroy you. And that just seems incredibly shitty to me, especially for, especially for a, a bunch of gods who didn't really tell us what they were expecting. Yeah. Like, you know, say what you will about Christianity, but at the very least, God is just like, hey, I got these 10 things that I don't want you to do. Yeah. Don't fucking do them. And yeah. then and then it's like, OK, so <laughs> I got these, these are the things, things we, that we don't want you to do. And I got about 26, 24 other things that I'd really rather you didn't. But yeah. they're not like hard and fast. No. Um, right. And uh, if you would like to uh, fuck up the entire planet based on all of that, go ahead. Um, sorry. Editorializing. Um, they... But I mean, you know, if like as an atheist, I, you know, if I die and I'm confronted by God and he's just like, I'm real motherfucker, <laughs> then I'd just be like, well, that sucks. But. At least I was told, you know, at least (laughs) I, at least I knew and had the opportunity to reject it. Whereas the Celestials, it's just like, hey, we're going to judge you. Why? Because that's what we do. We made you motherfucker. Yeah. Okay. Well, but also like, okay, so, um, I do in, I got really into stories about aliens, um, that show up on earth and don't even pay attention to us like Mm -hmm. we're so we are literally ants like they do not care and that's what that's the celestials doing that but also having the need or proclivity to do judgment upon the planet makes Mm -hmm. me go those things don't like you can't they they're they're only just those gears are only just catching. Like I don't, yeah. I don't truly understand what the motivations are, which that's fine. We'll see. No. Okay. Actually that's, that's maybe that's the problem. It's like on the one hand, I'm not supposed to understand what the motivations are. Like I'm not supposed to, because they're supposed to be unknowable, right? They're space gods. And then, but then on the other hand, I'm, that un if you just go okay then it takes all the stakes out of everything else like i i don't know it just doesn't it doesn't mesh as well i think Um, the fundamental i think the fundamental disconnect for me is if this were to be treated like a like an experiment mm -hmm. that would be one thing like because you know if it's if it's treated like it's all a simulation and they're running through the variables and stuff like that. And at the end, they'll decide whether or not it was a success or a failure that I get, Mm -hmm. but like to do, to do the unknowable and the, like, you don't matter. You're all just cogs in a machine. And then also try to assign a morality Mm -hmm. to the whole thing where it's mm-hmm. just like humanity will be judged. And if you are found to be good enough mm-hmm. and it's just like that doesn't work for me, that's mm-hmm. the disconnect for me is you can't assign morality where there has been none up to now. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Sorry. Uh, no, no, that's what, I mean, that's what we're here for. Right. Um, yeah, that's true. So, so uh, do what? And Thor just getting his head bashed in over and over again is <coughs> actually kind of funny. Yeah. 
Okay, moving on. Uh, Thor number 289 has a cover by Keith Pollard and Chick Stone, colored by Bob Sharon. Uh, lashing out at the Celestial, Thor and the Forgotten One wind up being teleported back to Olympia. Zurus att- intends to punish the Forgotten One until Thor intervenes. So Zurus sentences uh, the Forgotten One and Sprite to t- care for each other. Uh while this is going on, Odin approaches the Greek gods about an alliance against anyone who would stand against the Celestials. And Thor travels to Asgard to find help against the Celestials, but is rebuffed by Sif and the Destroyer armor, who literally throw him off of the Bifrost Bridge. Um, once again, I, I am amazed that... Everyone is so utterly willing to just do whatever Odin says. Like, Sif is supposed to love Thor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but like, anytime she's just like, hey, could I not try and fight him? Odin's like, no, you have to, you have, if Thor shows up here, you kick him out. And she's just like, okay. Like, I know he's the Allfather, but shit, you, this is the guy you're supposed to love. Like, just say no. Thor did it. <laughs> Thor has said no to Odin repeatedly. And everybody else is just like, yeah, yeah, I know. But I'm really just, I'm, I'm, I'm in it until my options vest and then once that happens, I can really tell Odin where to stick it. And it's just like, just fucking tell him no. <sighs> fucking Asgard. You know, to that point, um, it's it's a small thing. Um, but Carnilla is sitting at uh, Baldur's side when Frigga, who I have not seen in quite a while, uh, shows up beside her and is like hey you know just because at least he's not dead he's just not alive and she's like and carnell is like frigga i swear to god if you come in here with that holier than thou shit i'm gonna start pointing some things out frigga's like well i don't know what you mean and she's like you don't know who you are you don't know where you came from. Your husband is an asshole. You don't know anything about why he's an asshole. He won't tell you. And she's like, damn, bitch, you didn't have to be mean about it. And she's like, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to tell you I'm laying this out for you. And they end up at like having a pretty decent conversation, which I yeah. think is it's really small, but it's probably the heart of this story for me which is let's people asking questions about why the powerful people are doing what they want and not telling anybody about it. Like, have you ever noticed that you and your, you and your son are not even sure who you are? Like, that's, doesn't that seem important? And her being like, I don't like thinking about it. She's like, I can tell, but this is the kind of shit I put up with all the time. So get in my, get in my bathtub <laughs> with me. Like, here we are. Uh, that's I don't a know. Weird just... turn of, that's a weird <laughs> turn of phrase I just made up, but uh, here we go. All right. I'm primarily just happy we remembered Frigga exists. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> the order of events for Thor getting his shit kicked off the, the Bifrost it begins and ends with Thor will not just chill. And I'm a little irritated at that because yeah. he only gets this crazy when he's dealing with Asgardian shit. When he's yeah. down on Earth and Iron Man is being a prick or whatever and like trying to start a fight with somebody, he's usually the one that shows up and is like, okay, humans, everybody chill. But yeah. when it comes to Asgard crap, he just cannot, he has no filter for right. this. And that's either awesome and cool or really annoying. And here it's really annoying. Well, 
So not as a character trait, not to constantly so bring up Earth X, but I I think that's really an interesting kind of uh, kind of thing because ultimately in that all of the characters are so all of the Asgardians are sort of forced into their role by virtue of their biology and um, Odin kind of telling them what their roles are. And so Loki rebels against that uh, and decides to sort of determine his own path. And he manages to bring Thor on board with it. And in doing so... Um, you know, he manages to reach Thor, but then at one point Odin shows up and Thor starts falling back into the, what ho, father, it is so blah, blah, you know, and Loki's like, no, no, don't do that. He's sucking you back in. And that's kind of what this feels like is when he's removed from the Mm sphere of odin's influence he is able to more fully be what he should be Mm -hmm. but once he goes back into asgard he he falls back into those old roles so that's interesting yeah i've decided i like it instead i (laughs) wish the story well no i i think that as a as a i talked myself into it because i at first i was like why are you such a dick and then i was like oh he's always like this when it comes to asgard like he is every time he shows back up to asgard he's like well time to go fight without asking questions and it's like why do you do that oh because he's in asgard because that's what you do here is you be hyper aggressive thor whereas on you know on earth midgard he's like okay he's sort of forced to not only is he outside of everybody else's influence, um, but he's also sort of forced to be like, I'm the one with the most power in the entire fucking room. If I just start hitting things, it's yeah. going to go poorly. Everybody fucking chill. Yeah. Like, I, I like that. That's an interesting aspect of the character that we have wrung from this story. Like, I literally had to wring it out of this. <laughs> okay, moving on. So Thor number 290 has a cover by Keith Pollard, Bob Layton, and Irving Watanabe. Uh, Penciled by Arvel Jones, colored by Carl Gafford, edited by Roy Thomas and Jim Shooter. Thor comes down in Hollywood and encounters the eternal El Vampiro, who has been injured after a battle with a deviant named El Toro Rojo. Uh, Thor fights El Toro Rojo in a wrestling ring and tears off his horns, uh, thus having his power, and uh, heads back to Olympia. And, uh, I don't know, like, I, I was really torn when I got to this issue, because looking at the cover, I was just like, so wait, we're taking a break from all this celestial shit to just have a random dude? And then I was like, oh, wait, we're taking a break from this celestial shit to just have a fight with a random dude. Okay. And then I read it and then I read it and it's just like more, more Eternals and Deviants. And I'm like, fuck. Uh, So the best, the best thing about this issue for me, because I do like, I would much rather find the things that I enjoy is the conversation in the car between his wife and uh, between Vampiro's wife and Donald Blake, because mm-hmm. there there's this kind of interesting thing where she's like, I, I don't, it must be really weird, right? Having this Donald Blake is like, it must be really weird having all of this shit happening to you just because you married a guy. And she's like, well, I love him. And yeah, I know, he's not gonna die, and I am, and that's a little upsetting, but I've kind of come to terms with it because I love him, you big dope. And yeah. um, that's 
interesting because it sort of informs Thor Donald Blake has been going back and forth about whether or not he even needs it and like what it would mean to give up the Donald Blake side mm-hmm. and I think this is an interesting sort of allusion to you can still have this mm-hmm. it's fleeting and but that doesn't mean it's no less important if you want to right. and uh, you just have to want to do it it doesn't really solve the argument for us and that's fine I'm okay with that it's just another like little little wink at it's a less annoying wink at the the who is Donald Blake are we going to keep him around like previously this is hemming and hawing and navel gazing has been kind of relegated only to navel gazing him just standing around being like do I even need it this is an outside perspective that makes it a lot more interesting so I, well, I like that and you know the the thing about it is I I love Donald Blake um by which I mean I I think he is an absolutely integral part of the character of Thor in the Marvel universe I think that I think that one of the worst things the MCU did was get rid of Donald Blake because Thor is forever going to be a part Thor is forever going to be a god among mortals and Donald Blake not only humanizes Thor from the standpoint of it makes him uh it makes him um more more human to the viewer but also it's an important part of you know Thor is eventually going to become disconnected from the world without Donald Blake without the ability and the need to occasionally live as a human being mm-hmm. um what even what what's keeping him here right why not just fuck back to Asgard other than his love of Earth. And you can't... That's not something... That can change. You know? <clears throat> but. I think... Um, I think... It feels like this is the right place for that, though. Because also... Previously... It was kind of a Hulk Dr. Banner thing. Where... Like, the two sides didn't talk and weren't the same person and that was confusing for me as a reader um lately donald blake and thor are the same person Mm -hmm. and they're doing a much better job of like slowly melding those two things together so that the experiences that donald blake have end up informing how thor acts when he's on earth right and also and tempering his stuff and like in but it only really works when he's on earth um right when we do the asgardian things it's a little it doesn't work as well i i honestly think that donald blake should be more like billy batson in terms of one mind inhabiting two separate bodies that switch places Um, When you start treating Donald Blake as a separate person than Thor, that's where problems come in. And don't get me wrong, it's it's had some interesting things. The recent Donny Cates storyline, Prey, was really cool, and I enjoyed it, but I don't think it's something that works in the overall... Like, Donald Blake should be Thor. Donald Blake's... Donald Blake should inform Thor. Thor should inform Donald Blake. They are the same person, just in a... Yeah. Anyway. And that's what happens, again, like, this is probably one of the better issues of the Thor run, really. I know it disappointed you because... But if we start deconstructing some of this stuff, Thor and Donald Blake... Thor as Donald Blake... It's almost like they're helping each other out. Mm -hmm. Like, they're doing... 
they're doing the things because El Rojo ends up with the hand with the um with the walking stick at at one point. So mm-hmm. he has to be Donald Blake and like infiltrate the um the right. wrestling ring and like run up and grab the stick that Rojo doesn't know anything about. Like he doesn't know right. what it does. He just knows that the dude that gave him a little bit of trouble liked it. And mm-hmm. uh so he's he's only using it as a prop. Uh but as Donald Blake he has to get there and he's like all I got to do is get up there and get him crack that hammer or crack the stake on the ground. And then Thor can take over. And that's the kind of language that I'm a little like, don't, that makes it a little weird is because he does say, then Thor can take over and wreck this guy's shit. And it's right. like, that makes him a different person than you. Then, you know, like that's where it's a little, it starts to get shaky for me. But the fact they still, the part that's good is that even if we're going to treat each other as separate entities, then working together is better. And right. uh, Donald Blake doesn't even feel. <sighs> yeah. Donald Blake doesn't feel like ancillary to this story. He feels interval, which is good. So, right. Yeah, the, the fundamental problem comes in when people treat Donald Blake as an impediment to Thor mm-hmm. instead of an, an, a part of Thor's story and a part of why he does what he does. But anyway, moving on. Uh, Marvel premiere number 49 has a cover by Ed Hannigan, Frank Miller, and Klaus Janssen and is written by Mark Evanier. Penciled by Sal Buscema, inked by Dave Simons, colored by Ben Sean, lettered by Jim Novak, and edited by Roger Stern. Falcon is brought in by the made-up East German country embassy to protect writer Sigurd Roscoff, but fails when Roscoff is killed by the silencer. The only clue is is a message that Roscoff was able to leave by... Uh, putting dots under certain words in a confession he was made to sign uh, that give the message O-T-T-F-F-S-S-E-N. But the silencer winds up being shot and killed by Count Barzon of made-up Eastern European country. Uh, However, Falcon figures out that the dead silencer is a red herring and Barzon is actually the silencer, confronts and arrests him. Um, the message wound up being one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, meaning count, uh, count Barzan and blah, blah, blah. Who gives a shit? The most interesting thing about this issue is the talk about like what kind of speech should be protected, what kind of speech, you know, and Falcon Falcon, for his part, doesn't really want to get into it. He's like, I don't like Barzon, but like, I don't think he should die. Uh, yeah, and I didn't like I didn't like the things that Ruskoff was saying, and I don't. Or yeah, but Ruskoff. I, but I also don't think that he should have been killed for it. Like, right, which is kind of you know, America. Right. Like that's that's the thing um, that even in you know real life, other countries don't do it the same way we do it here which is yeah you get to be a nazi if you want to spew a bunch of nazi hate or you know as long as it isn't inciting actual violence mm-hmm. like you get to do you get to say whatever you want to say just don't incite actual violence with it that's why it's illegal to yell fire in a theater and why it's illegal to consistently spout hate speech that will spur people on to killing people um or causing others bodily harm but as much as i fucking hate him you know ben shapiro gets to say whatever the fuck he wants like unfortunately uh, you know i dislike everything that comes out of his mouth but i hate what he says i hate the way he says it i hate his stupid voice i hate everything about ben shapiro and i don't think he should be platformed but by the same token token he has okay. the right to say what he wants, unfortunately. Yeah. That's he the does, way it is. Right. And like when people are like, then, the, you know, there's also like platforming is another thing that like people say as 
cite as censorship. And it's like, no, 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 dickweed. You get to say whatever you want, however you want to say it. But if the people that are paying to host the venue, Mm -hmm. like if the venue itself is like, like if we're doing public, actually open air speaking, if the venue itself is like owned by a company that says, no, we don't want it associated with you in any way, that's not censorship. That's Mm -hmm. them controlling the space they own. Um, Right. Whereas private property is private property. And, like you know the hippies in the park that the silencer attacks they get to do that because it's a public park like you mm-hmm. it's owned by the government who has mandated that this is the way we're going to treat speech they get to be there and do whatever the fuck I they mean want. if they've got the permits they can do what they want and then but with the you know the venue if they if they're if you're in a theater and the theater company manager owner and ownership is just like, no, we don't want you. We've decided we thought we would make some money off of it, but we've decided that you're far too toxic for us to uh, to have in the building. That's fine. It's the mm-hmm. same with Twitter and the same with Facebook, even though they don't fucking do it. But mm-hmm. they could if they wanted to. That's not censorship. Anyway. Right. But I but one thing I do really like is you know, at one point, Falcon is approached by some random asshole who's just like, yeah, man, wait to let that guy die. Like, I mean, they said, they said, you, you said that you did your best, but we both know what's up. You like, that's what should happen to those people. And Falcon's like, shut the fuck up and Put tosses him in a trash, him in the trash can. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, but that's like, don't get me fucking twisted, asshole. Like, yeah, and I, I I enjoy that too. Um, I think the best part of this though is we're letting Falcon be Falcon, mm-hmm. right? Like he gets to struggle with all of these questions that he doesn't actually find that complicated. But he's like, "What? Well, how do I feel about this, Ruskoff dude? Did I try my hardest, or did I let my distaste for the things that he was saying?" color my ability and in the end of it he's like no no that's horseshit i did i did the best that i could it just it just sucked um yeah i did the best that i could i just need to get a little better at this um and that's what the conversation between him and cap is in the middle of it is cap being like he looks pretty fucked up about this but uh i think i'm supposed to let him i'm supposed to let him ride ride alone on this one i think he wants me to let him ride alone and because he just shows up and he's like hey um so about the ruskoff thing that fucking sucked and cap's like yeah man i'm sorry about that he's like yeah um thanks and they have a little bit of like a, a commiseration about how sometimes this happens and it sucks um and he's like do you know what the letters mean and cap's like nah dude it doesn't doesn't strike a bell with me at all and uh Falk's like, okay. All right, thanks, man. Uh, I'll uh, I'll talk to you later. He's like, yeah. All right, cool. And I think it's just cool, A, not to like put it all on a cat's just a great guy because, you know, this is Falcon's story and I think they do a good job of Falcon being the one that makes the decision not to act, get Cap involved. It's his fucking fuck up. Or he, his perceived fuck up, he wants to fix it. Um, right and he does so good um yeah. and it, you know also minor props for cap for being like i think i'm just supposed to let this one happen mm-hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna do that because i'm a good friend like that's fine um, yeah uh jonah's an asshole no shock there nope uh black panther number 14 has a cover by bill sinkevich uh, Joe Rubenstein and Danny Crespi and is written by Ed Hannigan, penciled by Jerry Bingham, inked by Gene Day, colored by Nell Yamtov, lettered by John Costanza and Rick Parker, and edited by Roger Stern. And here's where we get the burr up my ass this week. Uh, T'Challa works to open trade with the rest of the world as Claw is mugged by some youths and winds up in a coma. Uh, the gang who attacked Claw takes his 
take his prosthetic back to a kid that they're strong-arming named Jackie, who winds up possessed by it and using it to create sonic constructs. Whoop-de-fucking-do. Um, yeah. This is not the part of the Black Panther reading this week that I have an issue with. We'll get to that in a minute. This is kind of whatever, you know? It's a... Uh, uh, I will claw. say, I like... So, we haven't read Black Panther in a while, and I kind of forgot what was going on, but I like this decision that he's made and the way that he's going about it. And it's clear that T'Challa is a competent ruler. Like, as king, he listens to his people, he does what, like, he's made a decision, but it's an informed decision that he's taking as slow as he can to bring Wakanda to the forefront of the um, the world or the world stage, but also like integrate them into the UN and do all like these formal processes that he has to do. Um, but he's also not a fucking idiot about it because the mm-hmm. United States state department has sent some, a, an, you know, a initial envoy to the consulate they're opening up in opening up in New York. And they're like, as they're, he basically tells them, thanks for stopping by, but we don't need anything right now. And they kind of leave with out getting any of the answers for the questions that they have. And, uh, Captain America and vision and beast show up and they're like heavy hitters there. What's going on. And T'Challa straight up is like, they're after the technology and the vibranium. They want yeah. it bad. And yeah. Cap's like, are you sure? Like, did they ask you that specifically? And he's like, no but that's what they're doing that's of course what they're doing it's the one thing we've been fearful of the entire time i have to navigate that and i'm like i like that a lot like him being good diplomat is awesome well protect your people's interests cater as a ruler uh make sure you're not freaking your people out because not everybody's on this train but also make sure you're not walking into somebody's trap don't be a pawn like this is this is very good well and you know they they come in and they're just like hey so communism where do you stand on that and he's like man i don't have time for your bullshit we are trying to work out trade deals with that are beneficial to us and like your cold war is not my concern um stuff like this and uh specifically the blip in uh in uh the mcu are really why i wish i could experience fictional universes outside of the specific things that they're trying to show us at any given time um Simply by virtue of the fact that, you know, when it comes to the blip, I really want to see the Oscar bait, the Oscar bait movies about like a blip based love triangle where like a dude disappears in the blip and then his wife moves on and then he comes back all of a sudden and she's married to someone else. And it's just like, how does love endure in a time of and, you know, stuff like that. Or the Oscar bait documentary series about, uh, you know, feeding hungry people. Just how we, you know, clawed our way, these these intrepid um, doctors and uh, aid workers in countries that were already impoverished that are now fucked. uh, Right. Because the entire world can't feed itself anymore. Like how does this work like those people that's gotta be there right well or and in this case the documentary that is that is about like all of these scholars uh, you know sociologists and archaeologists who think they know african history and how all of these parts come together and then suddenly they're just like Wakanda is not what we thought it all was at all. It is a completely different situation than we thought it was. Like, 
what i want to see the first guy in there go in there with a film crew who's just like they have but what is that why you have a mountain a mountain of vibra what is vibranium like you know just like all of it all of the stuff that everybody's just like holy shit wakanda like yeah they thought it was a uh a country full of uh poor goat herds and it turns out it's like this afrofuturistic like how does that change everything that's yeah. the stuff i want to know so anyway um, but i think i think it's cool like as a ruler not to I, maybe this is a dead horse at this point but like i think it's cool that as a ruler he is protecting his people from the people that are beginning to learn the mind-boggling shit that you just talked they don't know everything but they know enough and he's protecting his people from becoming prey to exploitation by those because they do have enough power to do that Mm -hmm. and he's not wielding it maliciously but he's also telling these state department goons who normally walk into what they perceived was a third world country and just start demanding things otherwise the aid gets cut off or whatever right. and he's just like yeah no that's not the way this is gonna roll right just just how fucking it's real cathartic i guess is what i'm saying is that mm-hmm. is seeing the state department guys get told um no in a very like forceful way that he can back up oh god it feels good I also really want to see the soap operas from the Marvel Universe because they would be bananas. <laughs> they would be bananas. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Uh, Black Panther number 15 has a cover by John Buscema, Al Milgram, and Gaspar Saladino. Colored by George Russo's, lettered by Clem Robbins and Gaspar Saladino. Edited by Roger Stern and James Salakrup. Uh Jackie and the Thunderbolts gang attack Beast and Vision, who are at the dock shipping Claw's comatose body back to Wakanda. Jackie manages to revive Claw, who fights the Avengers and the Black Panther, until Black Panther is able to catch him back, uh, catch him in a feedback loop and discorporate him. Uh, while all of this is going on, Monica Lynn and Kevin Trueblood arrive at the Wakandan embassy to see T'Challa, Uh, And Wind Eagle is hanging around outside. This is the point at which this all turns sour for me. Because. The Black Panther series. The jungle action book that Black Panther was in previously. Got cancelled. And this storyline got dropped. That's all fine and good. It happens. Like you know. Shit happens. Marvel now is a lot better about handling stuff like this because they would continue the story, but it would be a standalone flashback kind of thing wherein they go back and they say, okay, this was never allowed to finish. Here's the rest of it for those of you who want to know. Instead, what we get is this where years have passed in universe between the end of the end of that series and the resolution of all of that shit. So in universe T'Challa just up and disappeared out of Monica Lynn's life. And the reason we're given is he was brainwashed by this dragon circle cult. Uh, and so he doesn't remember any of it. And it's just like, God damn it. Okay. Uh, fine. Um, and that's, that's why I want to see, because so much of the Marvel universe is like a soap opera anyway, where yeah. it's just like, I had amnesia and totally forgot that we were in love and blah 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 that like as melodramatic as soap operas are in our universe 
how insane would they be in the Marvel universe where it's just like amnesia is a thing that really happens to people. So I don't know, double super amnesia or do they, (laughs) do they go the opposite direction? And it's just like a completely straight laced drama about like normal people, no weird shit going on in the background. Yeah. Actually there there is (laughs) soap operas in the Marvel universe are about my day-to-day life. Where so, so. some like normal annoying shit happens, but it's more like I have to mow the lawn and I really don't want to. And the conflict is I have to mow the lawn. That's it. And like, it's, okay. So it's an, like it's an it, hour when, and a half of that. When you when you live in a world where like things just explode sometimes and an amnesiac with godlike power can accidentally blink out existence then your soap operas are just like well gotta pay the rent today oh and water's due (coughs) next week yeah better make sure i have enough money in the account to cover that oh no i don't these are the blockbusters (laughs) right like these are the spectacle things that people pay you know your your 240 million dollars to get your realistic bill paying movie because that's the escapism where you just (laughs) don't have to deal with the fact that you know a man who's also a shark could fall out of the sky and kill your girlfriend like coming july 21 21 man goes grocery shopping. (laughs) shopping yes (laughs) okay so anyway he leaves pays leaves gets in his car drives away cut to black theater erupts (laughs) they're so expensive because they have to find a place to film yes protect it from all the terrible shit that could befall it at any given time that makes so much sense yeah uh marvel premiere number 51 has a cover by Al Milgram and Klaus Janssen and is written by Ed Hannigan, penciled by Jerry Bingham, inked by Gene Day, colored by Bob Sharon, lettered by Diane Albers and Gaspar Saladino, and edited by Roger Stern and Jim Salakrup. Uh, Monica Lynn reminds T'Challa of their time together, and Windeagle attacks only to be killed by a sniper. Uh, yeah... Was that 51? That was 51, yes. Okay. Yep. Does a lot else happen? No. No, that's... that Because most of, most of what we've got here is we have to remind everybody of everything that fucking happened in Jumble... In Jumble. Jungle Action. Yeah. And so most of the issue is her talking about that time that they were in love... And she was getting herself off on her dead relatives. And uh, then the clan. And then the dragon circle. And blah, blah, blah. And whatever. Who is... See, the problem with that story at the very end, and the reason why the book got canceled, is because none of it made any sense anymore. And this is us endeavoring to make some sense of what was going on. And not exactly nailing it um because like the sides and their motivations didn't make any sense well i mean the clan made sense because the clan the clan is the clan it, it, i'm not advocate i'm not saying the clan makes sense in that dire- I'm, from a narrative standpoint anyway they they suck and uh they're you know they're the clan Last the Dragon episode, Circle. did we, I'm curious, was it on the air that I was talking about Ed Hannigan and how this affected his career, or was that after we were done recording? I do not recall. Okay, sorry. Go ahead and then I'll say what I was going to say. Because they're trying to make the Dragon Circle a, like, splinter within the clan that is actually anti-clan that is both think that 
Black Panther is being used by the other one as a duel to destroy them. But what? Like, none of it works. Um, Just make the clan your villain. I don't know why so this much is easier. God, difficult. <laughs> but punching so racists is so fine. Here's, here's the thing, and especially in a book about a black African man, like yeah. Just make him fight the clan. Yeah, you can but do that. But anyway, the the problem the so here's the thing. So there's a meme that goes around talking about how. When people talk about, uh, about how comics are woke nowadays, just remember that Jack Kirby, uh, had, had the Black Panther fight the Klan. And the whole, the whole thing is, it wasn't Jack Kirby that did that, it was writer Ed Hannigan, uh, who was behind the decision to have him fight the Klan. And... You know, given how it affected his career and everything, he does, it does hurt to then see that credited to somebody else. Um, the, this sucks for a couple of reasons. Like I said, the fact that time has passed in between means we have to come up with a reason for why none of this has been addressed for years. Instead of just saying, hey, this takes place after the last issue of Jungle Fury. We all on the same page? Cool. Let's move on. Instead, we have to get all this shit about Black Panther being brainwashed. The other thing is that that then, in Marvel premiere number 52, which has a cover by Bob Budiansky, Steve Leoloa, and Gaspar Saladino, and is lettered by Diane Albers and edited by Roger Stern. Top shelf fucking segue. Black Panther fights the clan, the Dragon Circle, and the Soul Strangler, who is a red a dude in a red clan uniform that is actually made up of hate. And it's just like it's just let him fight the clan dude yeah. like why do we have to make like a random hate monster like shit just put the hate monger in there i don't know man like why does he have to fight the the uh the like personification of the concept of racial hatred like just let him fight racists. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, Marvel premiere number 53 has a cover by Frank Miller and Joe Rubenstein and is inked by Al Gordon, lettered by Diane Albers and Gaspar Saladino and edited by Jim Salakrup. Uh, Everything gets wrapped up in a neat little bow. We find out that Monica's dad was a member of the Dragon Circle for whatever reason. Don't know what that added to anything other than fuck it. Uh, And then the Soul Strangler, Black Panther, defeats the Soul Strangler by not giving in to hate. And he dissipates in front of the ghosts of a bunch of dead slaves. I really, that's how I put it in my notes. And I really do not know a better way to explain what happens other than Black Panther is following a couple of clansmen who have abducted the leader of the dragon circle, this reverend guy, uh, they are out in the swamps and happen across this rundown plantation that is peopled by the sl- the ghosts of slaves. Soul Strangler shows up. He and T'Challa fight, and then T'Challa's like, by fighting him on his terms, I am giving him power. So he stops doing that, and then the Soul Strangler 
just like fades away and everybody gets arrested. Whoop-dee-doo. And I hate that... I hate that this was wrapped up this way. I hate that they got the opportunity for three more issues about this and spent so much time faffing about that everything just got... was just like hand-waved away. Like, who sniped wind eagle and the other people in this because the sniper was like shooting people left and right yeah but like it doesn't really matter because i don't know who the fuck it was yeah so the problem is like both groups end up being bad Mm -hmm. because they're committing violence Mm -hmm. right regardless of their ideologies they're committing violence and murdering people and but then we get to meet this reverend guy who's firing everybody up to go do more violence and monica's dad takes off his hood and is like hey i thought we were not the clan this feels a lot like the clan and they're like get him out of here or he's he's like well if you want to go go ahead and they let him leave, but then send assassins after him. So they're clearly all bad. It's just, I don't... Everybody, yep. it, like, the, the end of the book is everybody sucks, and it's great that we let go... That Black Panther let go of his hate. I just think the message can become something really shitty. Um, and I hope that wasn't the intent um i you know i think what bothers me the most about a lot of this is we get hints of the stuff so all of the stuff about t'challa being brainwashed and that's why he doesn't remember is whatever um but there's some stuff in this where like he meets this dude who had owned one of the guns used to shoot somebody, but he'd been in jail for a year. So it couldn't have been him. But then T'Challa remembers that he was present when he was being brainwashed. The brainwashing stuff doesn't really go anywhere. It could have been really interesting if they'd explored it, but instead it just winds up that T'Challa is like, I was brainwashed. Man, that sucks, huh? Anyway, better go fight a random red clansman. Oh, he was a ghost. Okay. <laughs> like, and I and I get I get that you were given a grand total of three issues to wrap everything up, and you didn't really get a chance to explore that properly but inst- but then the question becomes why fucking introduce it like had they simply said you were abducted they they indoctrinated you simply in order to get you to forget that would have been fine it would have been a shitty plot device to explain why the break in between but okay but then they introduced this concept of like what else did they have you do and then they never follow up on that yeah they never follow up on what if this dragon circle just had t'challa running shit for him Mm -hmm. and he doesn't remember doing it you know yeah it's kind of a cliche at this point but at least that would have went somewhere instead of just being like, what if that happened? <laughs> Don't worry. It didn't. No, no, we're no. just fucking with you. So anyway. All right. Top five. Top five. The Watcher's Guide's Top Five. Top five. All right. Top five. Uh, from me, number five, the Eternals don't deserve carcass. Number four, 
how deliciously Mimir hates Odin. Like, he just fucking despises him and lets him know all the time. And Odin's like, I know you're just saying that to hurt me. And he's like, yeah, no, yeah, you got it. <laughs> yep. Uh, number three is uh, Thor. Thor has no chill with the Asgardian stuff. Like, I just, like, we kind of just twigged on it. And yeah, it was one of the things that we kind of had to wring out of the fucking story. But also, uh, that makes total sense. And I like it now. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I enjoy the fact that we walked me into that because i started out being like pissed off about it because it was like this isn't thor and then then we kind of talked it through and i was like oh yeah that is him um and that makes sense uh number two is uh t'challa as ruler and diplomat i thought that was handled really well um in the spaces where it was allowed to happen um and then number one is a combination of a couple of things which is the donald blake thor relationship exploration in that one story with particular highlight of the the conversation between vampiro's wife and donald blake about Mm -hmm. like what immortality means to a mortal like right and that kind of um reflection from her from her perspective informing thor donald blake about who what they are um and that's that was cool i liked that once we finally dug down deep enough into that issue and the story as a whole to find something like that that was you know combined with donald blake because he's had the staff the walking stick taken away from him he means he has to go get it and like work as donald blake to get to something that thor can handle um i thought that was that was cool Mm -hmm. so that's me uh yeah so number five is uh you saw him go grocery shopping (laughs) in man buys soup and it's just like, hmm, do I want chicken noodle or potato? And then, like, you saw him shake your world to its core in Man by Soup 2. I think I'm in the mood for gazpacho. Who even are you? <laughs> now, that same man wants some goddamn shellfish. Man by Soup 3, The Biscuining, coming July 2022. Uh, I love the spinoff, Man Goes to DMV. <laughs> uh, number four, just say no to Odin. Like, like I said, I understand why for thousands of years people were afraid to. Mm-hmm. Uh But since Thor, like, did it and, like, wasn't destroyed, just say no. What's he going to do? Exile you? Then you get to go hang out with Thor. Like, whom you love, I'll remind you. Stop doing everything he fucking tells you to. Uh, Number three, Soul Searcher is an apparition made of racial, racial hatred who dissipates as the restless souls of dead slaves look on. Uh, it's just such a weird fucking sentence to say. Uh, number two. Oh man, what does this brainwashing mean for T'Challa? Absolutely nothing. Every Everything's cool. It's fine. We're all fine now. And uh, number one is Falcon tosses that guy in the trash. Yes. Hell yeah. So. So yeah, uh, next week we have a whole bunch of Marvel 2-in-1 and then Avengers and Defenders. Um, So join us for that. Uh, In the meantime, rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Email us at watchersguide at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, both individually and at watchersguidemu. 
and visit our website at watchersguide.com where you can download episodes and see all of the reading lists going back to the very first episode. Have a marvelous week. Bye. Bye.